The skills and credentials you need for the career you want are within reach at University of Maryland Global Campus. In accredited state university, UMGC offers online courses, personalized advising, lifetime career services, and more. Visit umgc.edu slash podcast. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Hey everyone, this is the Almost Rogue Podcast. Bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, by the way, if you like the podcast, please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. I am Elmo and I have my awesome friend here, Mark Lane. Hey man, can you introduce yourself? What's up, Elmo? Hey, yeah, this is uh, Mark Lane. I uh, grew up an evangelical Christian. My dad has actually been a Southern Baptist pastor since I was about two years old. I always took my faith very seriously. It affected um, affected every aspect of my life, and uh, now it doesn't. Now I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. So let tell me... Can you tell me why you left Christianity and became an atheist? Well, um, I started having a lot of questions about things that I read in the Bible in my 20s and uh, started having a lot of theological questions like whether hell was a literal place, just kind of simple things like that. I had a few friends that had uh, left the church and became agnostic and you know, I kind of, I would talk to them a lot, remained close with them. And I would ask them questions, you know, like why they thought that. And they, they would bring up that, you know, well, you really can't know that there's God. And uh, basically, it's just kind of arrogant to say that, you know, when really you just have faith. Or perhaps he thinks it's more probable that there is one for, you know, some reason that you have. And uh, so after that, you know, without really giving it much thought, I became kind of an agnostic theist. And that was the extent of that. I didn't really, you know, besides some of the questions I had, I didn't really doubt a lot. And then, like, the more and more I read the Bible... And the more and more I learned about theology, the more questions I had, doubts I started to have, which I would always just table to the side because I didn't feel like I had the authority to seriously entertain those doubts, you know. Um, And... Then I stumbled upon like the Liturgist podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, 
but uh, they're kind of like progressive Christians. Like really, they don't really broadcast it a lot or advertise it a lot, whatever word you want to use there. But they're basically like pantheist Christians. Um, most Christians would consider them, you know, heretical and just like totally radical and not really even part of the tradition. But, you know, through them, I kind of discovered that um, there's a lot of people out there that do believe like that. And I just started listening to them and I really felt like I had permission to actually question my beliefs. And so I did. And um, I began deconstructing my faith. I started listening to a lot of different people with different views. Uh, you know, one, one interview that they had in particular was with a musician uh, that I really liked. His name's uh, David Bazan. And his interview is pretty impactful for me. And it I kind of catalyzed or my uh, deconstruction. I really, you know, I was kind of like passionately into it at that point. And then I started listening even to a lot of deconversion stories on different podcast shows. And uh, like over time, I just kind of began to notice that, you know, people really, people that were not religious at all, people that had left their faith and, you know, began a secular lifestyle really were not any more or less ethical than religious people were particularly, you know, ones from the tradition that I grew up in Southern Baptist. Um, they just really weren't anymore. It didn't, it didn't really seem to make much of a difference in people's lives. Um, and, uh, and they also seem to have, you know, pretty valid reasons leaving their faith and they, they seemed sincere it didn't seem like you know something like they just wanted to go out party and have fun and just not and go around having sex all the time or whatever just living like some hedonistic sinful lifestyle it, it seemed like they had good reasons to leave and you know after that like i'm taking all this new exposure to different types of people and different worldviews and and you know, I'm continuing to deconstruct and transition into like a more progressive faith and even like seriously entertain you know the possibility that what if God doesn't exist you know maybe he doesn't exist like that could be you know, that could be what reality is. Maybe he's not real. And like around this time, you know, this is like back in 2015 and, you know, we have like the 
election and uh, Trump has somehow made it through like the all of the debates and everything and ends up being nominated and then he gets elected and a huge amount of his support is from like evangelical Christians. And I'm just thinking like, how, (laughs) how, like, how do Christians vote for somebody like this? Like, he's just like completely antithetical to the gospel, like this horrible, disgusting man. (laughs) And they like, not only did they just vote for him, they also kind of glorified him. And it, it, that, I mean, that's not an argument against anything. It's no, it's no reason to really lose your faith, of course, but it's, uh, I think it had me, it led to me becoming apathetic enough about my faith to consider that, you know, even though I had deconstructed into something more progressive. And I'd kind of answer some of the questions that I had about Christianity for myself, you know, that kind of felt pretty satisfied with, with the new answers that I'd kind of come to. Uh, I really didn't have any good reason to believe anymore other than like the waning sentimental value for the tradition that I had. And uh, it was also like just totally subjective, you know, like I, how did I really know that my way of viewing things was right? Like, yeah, it was satisfying for me, but it was really just what I wanted to believe. Not, I didn't really have sufficient reasoning for it. There's no way I could defend it. You, when you said that all oh, these guys who left, you know, Christianity and hold the more agnostic uh, ethical framework now, you said that they seem to make sense, right? They, their points seem to be valid. But, you know, uh, so what is your standard for uh, the validity or, or like a uh, like a qualified ethical framework if 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 it is very secular? Perhaps like I don't consider things like that, but the way that, which was the way that I looked at it then, I was just like, hmm, seems like these guys have good reason, but I didn't really, I didn't know anything about philosophy or like logical fallacies or, um, you know, I didn't really even know a lot of history of like the church or anything like that at the time. I was, this was just like, this is like a very primitive uh, point in my life where I just, I really just, you know, didn't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, don't worry about it. Like um, I, I, I get, I go through a lot of that as well, you know, <laughs> and uh, all of us, I believe have, and we are limited in knowledge, but of course it's your approach though to your worldview that matters right like are you consistent with what you believe you know it does everything is everything coherent 
And so that's why I want to ask you, Mark, like, um, if you don't believe in God, um, um, what, how, what ethical framework do you live by? Okay. So yeah, as an atheist, uh, you don't have like absolute morality or absolute on anything because we operate empirically right you know which i mean i think whether you're religious or not ultimately everybody operates that way and you know our senses are obviously fallible but i think that using philosophy using like reason using like the scientific method different schools of thought we are able to come to some to different conclusions about things. And I think that like a principle of human flourishing can be backed by, you know, pretty much any of those, you know, any school of thought, like whether it's utilitarianism, consequentialism, you know, all of it, it's, uh, or humanism, whatever it is, like those are not, abstract concepts or schools of thought you know that those are objective and you know if they weren't if everything was just abstract and meaningless we wouldn't have gotten to where we are now as species right well we we could have actually you know like we could have been just you know fooling ourselves with these uh objective and uh you know moral standards been still gotten to where we are right now right well i mean if they put it this way like if they didn't if different values didn't have a practical effect that benefited the survival of our species, then, you know, they wouldn't have done that. We would have just died out or, I mean, I, well, I guess I do see what you're saying. I guess it could just be like luck, but that seems really unlikely. unlikely. You know, given how hard, yeah, given how hard it is to survive on this planet. So, um, you, did you what you mean? What you mean to say is that, um, because we have survived as a species, therefore, uh, the ethical framework that we have, you know, at least one of the ethical framework that we have abided in, must be true. Yeah, I think that's a good reason to think that the principle of human flourishing is a good a uh, good value to hold and we have held it more and more over time We've gotten better and better well, at it, it it might seem like it you know but how do you know it is true right that human flourishing should be the thing that we should follow well, nobody wants our species to go out, right? Well, there, are, there are a lot of <laughs> nihilists out there that would say differently. Like, how would you tell them that they're wrong, right? 
Well, I don't think every nihilist and, you know, I'm not a nihilist more like in the existential camp, but, uh, I think a lot of nihilists really all they're doing is just negating the value of things. You, do you and think that say, things have value? Yeah. From your worldview? What do you yeah, mean by dude. value? Like, well, you know, I'm talking about human flourishing. Like, I think that's valuable. I think other people that what, what are around is me value? are valuable. But, um, how do you define value in a secular framework? Value. Values. Uh, things that we ought to consider important and essential to our lives, you know, whether by their usefulness or by their beauty or we, we give things value, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that means that it was, it wasn't really there. So it's not easy. It's not in the essence of things. So, uh, so we, we give things value, uh, but then you do have to think of like, um, are we actually capable of giving things value? And if we, if we are, if it seems to us that we give things value, like how do you, how do we know that this actually matters? Right. Like, um, you know, I, I, if you are a, I believe that if you are, you know, a secular, if you do like have a secular worldview without a God, Right, uh, the, I'd I'd say the nihilist point of view would actually be the the most rational, you know, and, and because um, in term because we we use value in a ve- you know value meaning, and those are actually sourcing from you know like a theistic concept, right? That's where they they really come from. So um, if you are going to to use those in a in a secular worldview, then that how you define it would, you know, uh, necessitate something like a god. It's in in that sense. So, so that's why. But of course, right? Like there are those existential nihilists who actually find meaning in with within nihilism. So that that those could be your options, right? Well, I mean, a lot of the forefathers of existentialism, like some of the most formidable minds in existentialism are actually secular and even many of them are atheists as well. And existentialism is kind of like the opposite of nihilism. Yeah, you can so, be an existential nihilist, though, right? Like within a nihilist framework, you can still they are they uh, like for example, Camus, right? He would be an existential nihilist, which is in the a category of absurdism, right? So um, yeah, I'm, but that's that's not nihilism, though. That's uh, that's absurdism. That's its yeah. own. Uh, completely different well it, it is still uh nihilistic because um in it's nihilistic in the sense that there is no inherent meaning in the world 
right and that's what and that's why it's uh so it, it absurd absurdist like they recognize that there is no meaning in in the world but because there's this absurdity that happens of me existing and having a life i'm going to recognize that it is absurd and i'm going to roll with the, the absurdity that's why it's called absurdism you know yeah well i mean so it is nihilistic it's also it's also like the potential absurdism of the world. Like you don't know that, like even Nietzsche said this, like you don't know that, uh, you don't know that there's no absolute meaning. It's just that we can't understand an absolute meaning. Well, in you know, it, uh, like, absurdists actually presuppose that, the, you know, like, uh, well, that there is no mean, no God and there is no meaning in everything. Like they, uh, they presuppose that. And that that's that's why they held firm in the absurdity of things, right? They could doubt that things are absurd, but they affirm that things are absurd. So, so yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if Kamu actually thought that, but I mean, maybe you, maybe you're right. Uh, I don't know. I've read several of his books, and I didn't find that. But anyway, yeah, I'm probably. Uh, not to get too hung up on that, I'm probably uh, more along those lines, I suppose. But I'd still say that even though we don't know that there is like an absolute or inherent meaning, that there are objective schools of thoughts that we can use to basically argue for principle of human flourishing, for instance, and other things too that are good for us as a species, you know, and as the planet. And even if we were to cease existing at some point, which we, you know, will, uh, those things are, you know, basically like a priori, like it's, it's not those truths aren't dependent on our existence it's not totally subjective to us like logic exists outside of us it's just something that we've been able to understand over time it's something that we've always used as a species before we understood it or be able or were able to describe it and make more use of it you know what I mean? But it exists outside of ourselves. You know, like you might say that God exists outside of ourselves. It kind of exists like that. Okay. So uh, in, in this sense, um, what, what do you mean by God exists outside, inside or outside of ourselves? Yeah, well, no, I'm just, you know, kind of making a, an analogy. Like, oh, yeah. you, it's like, you know, according to like the different religious traditions, God existed first. He's like the uncaused cause. And then he created us. So he didn't need us to exist or, you know, whatever mm, yeah. gender you want to put to him. Didn't his existence, God's existence was not in, contingent on 
anything else. And mm-hmm. I don't think that logic's contingent or uh, logic's existence or validity validity is contingent on our being able to talk about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, I guess it seems to me, you know, and you that uh, things are just logical in and of themselves, right? Even if we don't talk about them. And then so it's not lot things are logical and the, and it's not contingent on us. Yes, I do agree. So uh so in in okay, in in terms of this though, um let me ask you uh so let's say you were asked about murder right um why is murder wrong i would assume you would say it's it's wrong right what makes it wrong yeah well i don't think that it's always wrong you know i mean well by by definition like intentionally killing someone out of hate right yeah yeah that's wrong why well if everybody if it was okay for everybody or we thought it was okay for everybody to go around and kill everyone then you know we wouldn't survive very long as a species and it would just be like a horrible existence for everybody so and so um it's wrong because it's not useful for society yeah Okay, so um, what are there are a lot of things that are not useful for, for society, you know, like uh, eh, but but they do exist. So are are all of those unnecessary things that are not useful for society inherently wrong? Well, what like what would be an example? Let Let's say uh, well, the existence of you know uh, there is this. Uh, eyeglass here that it's just for fun you know it doesn't even it's just glass you know it doesn't even help me with sight doesn't have shade or anything it's just that's for fashion right so it's not useful for society so is it wrong so for is it it takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car like cooking but without the frozen dinner easy way out eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as Oma's Rouladen, to cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with carrier. Products sold separately. Wrong for this to exist to be able to you know manifest this like all those that created it, and you know you could well, argue too like well my hatred and my murdering of this person you know it's useful for society, you know and uh, so would, would that make it right then if it is? Well, I think that 
You know, well, with your eyeglass thing, like entertainment is useful to society, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And my point and, though is like um it's extremely subjective what being useful to society means. Right? I can say this is useful to society. So what is your standard for what is useful to society? And you mean it in a utilitarian sense? Yeah, well it's and consequentialism too, you know, like whatever's uh angle you want to take there like it and it's not it's not only that it's useful it's that it's uh it would be detrimental to society if murder was okay but not that you know to distinguish uh murder from killing you know like if somebody breaks into my house and is threatening my family and I can stop it by suspending my value for uh, human flourishing in this particular individual. Mm. Let's say, let's say I've, that, um, let's say we're in a desert, right? When no society, what, and the, any action we do in a desert would have no effect to society whatsoever, right? And if, if I, let's say, if I, you know, intently, you know, out of, um, of hate, like murder, murder you, would that be wrong? You know, it, uh, we are like in a vacuum with that uh, and society has no, we have no impact and we have no impact to society. Would that be wrong then? If that's your basis for your ethical framework of murder being wrong? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we also don't live in a vacuum like that. Yes, but um, like, for example, if we, if we are in a desert, right, and people do exist in deserts and people, a lot of people, you know, kill each other in deserts, right, where they have no impact to society. In that specific case, you know, scenario, would murder be wrong? I still think it would be wrong, yeah. Why? Yeah, well, first of all, you'd be left to survive on your own and also like the golden rule like why would you want to do that to somebody so, whenever so, you wouldn't want it to be done to you so, so who said that the golden rule is is your that should be the ethical framework that we have we we should follow why the, the well it doesn't rule? matter it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter that why uh, i don't think that it matters that it uh that anybody said it i think that what matters is that it's been it's been effective for our species you know yeah but yeah in, in terms of the effective for species we are irrelevant to the species like we're just we're isolated in a desert and even and, within and, like animals like again like primates like if a bunch of <laughs> Which they yeah, do, well, they are well, if we, if we, if we like base it on survival, other, but... survival of the species, you know, um, my let's like me, you know, murdering uh, a person right in a desert would actually be good for the survival of my species because 
and they, because I would, you know, I would be able to survive and, uh, you know, maybe eat, for, eat you or, 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 you know, or maybe, you know, we would, our, the available resources would, would extend my life because we, I, I would be the only one to consume instead of sharing it with that, that person. So in that sense, right, like murdering for the survival of a species, you know, would actually be good. Right. For the survival of you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, and so, so in, which, in that specific which would be- case, I, I am the species, right. And because I am in, a, in <laughs> I am isolated in the, in, in a desert. Right. So, yeah, but that's a bit subjective though. Like exactly. It that really- is, well, it, it is that, that, and that's the point, right? Like, um, if that's your basis for what makes things good or bad, that it is absolutely a subjective, but of course, not saying that it's invalid. I'm just saying that if it's subjective, then there are all entailments to it, right? Like for example, um, if, you know, if Hitler, you know, uh, did use the same reasoning. Hey, this is for the survival of the species. You know, he could do like a hundred Holocaust. And if he used that reasoning, you know, we, it would be qualified. Right. Um, I don't think that's the same. I mean, like now you're talking about Hitler and Hitler did not live in a desert. There was lots of other people. And like Mm -hmm. in, in the analogy or in the in the illustration that you're trying to give there, mm. like you're talking about, unless I misunderstood you, you're talking mm. about there's just two people in the desert and that's it. Mm. If you're talking so, about okay. like people that so, so question right, like um, what does the number of people involved in a scenario affect what is good or bad? I think so. Yeah, it affects okay. the logic. Okay, so uh, so if let's say you know like if if I killed one person in a desert, would that be okay? If in you know in 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 what you in our earlier scenario, with you you would say yes, you know, for the survival of the species. If it was two, would it be okay? If it was three, would it be okay? You know, like if you keep going, like um, it's it's still the same as the the Hitler thing, right? Like maybe Hitler feels like he's in the desert, and all, and you know his his species are the are the, are the Nazis, right? And the and the enemy is the in the person that they hate are the Jews, so they need to murder the Jews in order to to for the for the survival and thriving of their species. Right. So, uh, but I'm, I'm not saying that Hitler is right, you know, but I'm well, saying yeah, that no, but- because if, but if you make it very subjective, you know, then you would have no way to, to say that someone, someone's moral framework is wrong and yours is the one that's right. So what's going to happen is then like, um, you're going to fall into this power struggle where my, who, the one who effectively, you know, it, it overpowers the other is the one that is right. So, so if world, you know, if Hitler did win world war two, then, you know, he, uh, their moral framework would be the one that we would follow in that case, you know, they subjectively, yeah, well, it's 
so walk back a little bit. Yeah. If, like in with the desert analogy, mm-hmm. like if there were just two people and you killed the other one, mm-hmm. then you be okay. You, it may be okay to you, but you wouldn't survive. The species would die out there. What do you mean? You know, it would be, it would be done. Why would it be done? Well, how are you gonna procreate? Well, maybe I would, uh, if, you know, find if, like I would at least, you know, and there would be a higher possibility of me, uh, you know, ha- just ha- finding a mate, you know, and procreating. But th- so, so here's the thing, though, that like you you're focusing on on the survival of the species. Who said that that the survival of a species is good, right? Like, why should we go to that direction? Well, because like we don't because of empathy. Like, we don't want like it's built into our our genetics. Like, we don't want each other to suffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it means it means that. Um, so are the what is so the survival of the species is good right and the of course the extermination of our species is bad but so and you say it's in this is ingrained in our bio, biology so it, so but who ingrained it in our biology but it, and if if there's anyone to blame it's actually just by random chances events and evolution right brought about by the the events of the big bang so in this sense no like uh the, the the thing that caused the big bang would actually you know have set the the standards for that that made our survival of the species good or bad right because that's the that was where it start all started do you do you, do you get what i mean yeah, I get I get what you mean. Right. I don't think we have to know. Like, I don't know that anybody. I I think probably nobody did put it into motion. I don't. Yeah. So I if, just don't. Okay. So if nobody put it in motion, then it doesn't actually matter because it was just an accident. So in terms of our genetics, there we have no reason to follow what our genetics tells us is good or bad. Right. So because like even if it, we feel like it's good and, you know, hey, my genetics tells me that this is good, this is bad. But yeah, but your genetics is just a random roll of a dice. So why should you follow that anyways? You know, you could just yeah, live we've... happily being celibate and dying like um, that would not really affect you. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of people do. Exactly. So uh, is, is what they do wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not wrong, but actively going around destroying other lives is. But why? Because, but you're gonna say again. Well, it's detrimental to the species. But again, you know, if you the the who told you that the 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 uh, that is good or bad being detrimental to a species, you know, from your moral framework. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it goes back to empathy. Like, you wouldn't want to. We we don't want to hurt other people. 
empathy though tell me tell me um what what can you tell me what is empathy empathy like that's your emotions like your sentiments for your other like fellow biological creatures mm. so uh, why should we follow empathy we do follow it yeah, but why it's because it's part of our nature Okay, and and if it's part of our nature again, because of the Randall of roll of a dice, right? Because it's we just accidentally evolved in this way, you know. So if we accidentally, if but if we but you know, killing people, raping, it's all you would say that you know it's actually also part of our nature as well. Would you say that's good, right? Like because you know we it we do it. Uh, you know, crime and everything at a normal rate, actually, you know, and it's inevitable for us. So would that mean that because it's part of our nature that it's good? I don't think that killing's good, but in the event that it's necessary, it just yeah, is. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm like, talking about the killing that it's criminal, right? By defined by us as bad, like that, those actions are event, you know, if you look at it, is it actually uh, goes back to our genetics, you know, because we, we kill and hate and everything, and it's part of our nature, same as empathy. All right. Well, I mean, you don't have to kill just because you hate. And like, but we you, do, but we do, right? So in in the case that well, we do kill when we hate, so would that be okay? Because it's part of our nature, same as empathy. Well, to kill somebody just because you hate them is wrong. To like kill if, someone, yeah. Why though? Because that's bad. Like you only want to kill somebody I mean, it's kind of like abortions like you don't want to just have a senseless senseless abortion just because you can you know there needs to be a good reason for it and just and just like it's the same in having to kill another human being or even like an animal like you you don't want to just kill somebody or you shouldn't just kill somebody just for sport or something like there needs to be a valid reason like there and it's so, not so who that says that it is necessary to have a valid reason to kill that's who says that it's necessary to have a valid reason to kill and why well, is I've, it necessary to have a valid reason to kill you can say uh, you could say that it's obvious of course it's self-evident what do you mean by self-evident right like uh, do you you know so I, I do agree with you right that um so we should value human life right we should not kill or murder or do evil things but you know it, you 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 have if you have a moral framework you have to be consistent with it. You have to be consistent with the actions, right? You can just switch back and forth whenever it's convenient because, right? And, uh, and so you have to be consistent with everything. And that's why, uh, but th that's why I'm sort of asking you, you know, trying to uh, uh, understand how you would decide things in terms of morality. Uh, right, Mark? Uh, so, so, uh, 
I would ask you uh, about um, how about in terms of politics, right? Um, would you say you're left wing or right wing? Uh, definitely left. Okay, can you tell me specific about um, your, you know, the, your political ideology? Which one? What kind? Uh, which one are you on the, you know, the left side? Are you on the authoritarian side or the libertarian side? Oh, libertarian socialists. I like uh, Noam Chomsky a lot. Oh, Chomsky. Like, yeah. And can you describe what the uh, economics or and uh, what role the government plays in you know and on your worldview, political worldview? Um. Well, I think that the workforce should be. Uh, the means of production should be much more heavily owned by the workforce. The means Basically. of production. Yeah. But okay. Like your jobs, like, um, your work should be more, uh, you should have a lot more say in, your workplace and what you're uh, like choices, everything down to like, um, like business decisions. I think like every business should be like a democratic cooperative basically. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I haven't really been thinking about politics a lot lately, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's okay, man. All right. Uh, well, you yeah. know, uh, for example, you mentioned that you know uh, there should be this egalitarian, and you know, like, and that workers should should have these rights. Yeah. Of and you know, and especially on the means of production, you know, with, of course, they they should have the rights to. To a good working environment and everything, you know, right to good pay. But so when when you have your met your ethical framework that you have, where you know it's good for the survival of the species, you know, you could actually it could actually disagree with your your political ideology, where. You know, for example, if it is more useful for the species to to maximize the the productivity of the workforce, you know, and work them to that work the hell out of them, work the hell out of them, then in that case, you know, uh, it would actually be good to in the the in in turn to be the on the opposite side of what your political stance is. Yeah, but that that's not the case because there's so much suffering that occurs just at the hands of like unbridled capitalism that it's just absurd to even think that it's like only the few people at the top really get the benefit of you know unbridled capitalism like that. Like just working the shit out of everybody. And like not really doing anything to in terms of like a social contract to like, you know, provide a more quality life for the workforce. 
Mm, so what do you think should is the solution to this? But for workers to have more ownership over it and more involvement. And how and, are uh, we going to achieve that? Shit, I don't know. That's a good question, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I'm, um, I'm honestly kind of pessimistic about it these days, which is why I haven't been paying attention to politics much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. I, I would say, like, um, you can't really separate, you know, with this philosophy and religion with politics, because, you know, when you dive into politics, we, you ha we actually have to look at the, founda the moral foundations of, of what your, your political stance is, right? And uh, that's why often, like, most right-wing persons, people are Christians or, or religious people. And the left-wing ones are mostly, you know, secular and atheists and humanists, if you observed as well. Right? True. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of left-wing Christians. I think yeah, there's... I guess, yeah. There's always been... There's always been a lot of leftist Christians, and most of them even argue, and I really don't know... Uh, one way or the other on this one, but a lot of them argue that it was actually religious people that started socialist movements, you know, like Jacobin society. That was Christian. Yeah. But they were but definitely of course, socialists. Like Karl Marx, right. <laughs> Lenin. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess it's more, and, and the, yeah, the founders leftists. though are really, uh, you know wish for a secular truly secular society well you know like like these different schools of thoughts and like logic and reason and all of that philosophy like that existed before we were able to really talk about it and develop our understanding of these different schools of thought mm -hmm. existed much before like even like if you look at like the the early hebrew tribes and stuff these involved there's some level of government but i mean they it's nothing yeah mark well uh one, one last question so how can do do you think you know we as a human race can flourish with all the polarization and disagreements about worldviews and even on moral frameworks, like, and how can we achieve uh, the good future that we all agree on? Yeah, I think we continue, like, doing what me and you are doing right now, like having this conversation about this kind of having, I mean, this isn't really a debate or anything but yeah just kind of we, we are having like a little bit of back and forth a little bit of dialogue uh trying to understand each other um because you know like you said there are a lot of different world views out there um and there are a lot of them that i obviously disagree with like you said a lot of stuff there's a lot of things that I don't agree with theists about just like there's a lot of things 
you probably don't agree with about any number of worldviews out there. Um, and we just kind of continue trying to seek, you know, what the best, the best paths forward are, you know, like asking questions like you're asking, like what, why should we value certain things? Um, and trying to get other people to think about that too. I think a lot of people are curious about those kind of things, whether they really express that or not. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's all about, about participation, like just trying, trying to do things that make the world a better place for those that come after us. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark, I totally agree. Uh, thank- I could go on yeah. and on about that. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. And um, I really apologize for all the issues with my internet. You know, <laughs> I'm struggling. Uh, have a great day, bro. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.